VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Davis Maddock, rejoined by my in-season cohort, Lord Rebar, Lord Reeves, Rich Rebar, the guy from Sharp Football Analysis. He's here. Uh, haven't haven't done a show in like three months now, and I figured it was an appropriate time to come and just kind of see where your brain's at with these prospects. We've had Corain on, had Gretch on, had uh, you know, had had Bimefor on. We've we've been doing, we've been making the rounds. So I thought I thought it was about time. I listen, I thought I was cut from the team. Uh, I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to make the make the cut in the offseason, but uh, I just missed talking with you, man. We, we podcast more than probably any duo in the history of people that don't do a show together. And, and, and um, you know, uh, I miss just getting your thoughts on like this weird pop culture stuff and what's going on outside of football, but we'll always like to riff on some rookies, man. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm now at the point, so we've, we've done one rookie draft. Uh, that, that we're in together. We do it for Scott Barrett's Dynasty League. It's the only one that I'm in that does the draft. And um, I'm excited about nine guys. And then everyone else, I, I, could, I could basically be told from 110 to 305 that there are five fantasy football starters, one fantasy football starter. Like, I, I just think, I just think that, um, and, and, and my uh, top nine would be Willis, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Jamison Williams, Traylon Burks, Chris Olave, and George Pickens. And then I think after those nine guys, you could sell me in any order. You could tell me they win in any order in the NFL draft. You could tell me Sky Moore joins that group. You could tell me Christian Watson is a fourth round pick or a first round pick. You could tell me the Steelers trade up to take Kenny Pickett. Desmond Ritter is the second quarterback. Like I could just be, I could just be led in any direction. Yeah, it's like that with the wide receivers too. I'm in the same boat. I think I feel really good about six guys and then we can extend it to like nine or 10 guys that I think I genuinely still really like. Uh, and then there are some, just the guys that we have our favorite flavors uh, that we, that you pepper in and you just hope like they land in a good spot and get take with more draft capital uh, than maybe uh, is anticipated by the general public. But yeah, I think that the top five receivers, I still feel really good about, even though no one is maybe on Jamar Chase's like blue chip type of level. That, that's been my take this whole time is, yeah. is, is Burks, Drake London, whoever, you know, I don't really care where they go. Mm-hmm or whatever. I just, I don't think anyone is, I, I don't even think anyone's on the CD lamb level. I think they're all, I think they're all one tier below that, even regardless of landing spot. I, I think there's some upside for guys to be, you know, potential alphas, but I do kind of think that, yeah, like, you know, like a, like a Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave are probably more on that, like 
can have like a, can moonlight as a wide receiver one, but probably are going to end up as fantasy wide receiver twos at their apex. Uh, I know that will, will, will definitely bristle a few people, but uh, that's kind of where I see. And then maybe London and Burks have lower floors than both those players, but at their apex, uh, the, the seasons, the outcomes of their NFL careers in the multiverse that actually end up hitting are like gigantic. Like those are guys that can have, multiple like 1215 plus touchdown seasons on their resume and then you have Jamison Williams who um, could be kind of like kind of like a best of both worlds and like he's like the guy that from a real football stance also offers like tactical leverage that we don't get fantasy points for but a team can utilize their offense even when he's not getting the football so I do feel really good about those five guys I feel really good about Brees Hall and then like I want to feel really good about the upside outcome from Lake Willis and I want to feel really good about the upside outcome for Kenneth Walker and fantasy as well. And then obviously George Pickens, because I'm on the same boat as you. Because he's um, a dog, baby. Yeah. He's a but dog. There's also, there's also like kind of like a gray area there too. But those are the guys that I'm, I'm with you, like all that group of guys. And we kind of have like our favorite flavors as we move on. So what do you make? What is, what is the, the Lord Reeves brand to take on Jamison Williams being a transfer because he couldn't get on the field with, um, you know, all the insane, you know, Alave mm-hmm. and Wilson and Smith and Igba and everyone at Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is tricky uh, to kind of navigate, right? Like to, to factor it in. But I think when you look at what like NFL teams value and like what he offers in terms of like being able to be more of like uh, a really good version of like what Will Fuller was his last year that we saw him play real football, like with Deshaun Watson where he's a guy that like at his worst can just be like, like I said, just provide like a tactical leverage. Like he can run downfield and draw defenses that way. And you have to play a safety over the top of them. But then also I believe there's a lot more nuance to his game that gets, doesn't get credit for. And he can run a lot, a lot of the route tree that he necessarily wasn't asked to run in Alabama, but can, and he can be like an 80 plus catch guy too at the next level. But yeah, when you have guys like Garrett Wilson and Chris Lave, who he was on the team with, and they don't have ACL injuries either. Right. Yeah. Like that's the other thing. Um, you know, it's kind of like something you have to kind of weigh into things, but I do think what the NFL does value serves Jamison Williams really well in terms of draft capital. I think we're seeing that as a guy that already has a torn ACL still being kind of steamed up throughout the process. I mean, if he would have ran, I think that he would have had a good shot to for sure be the consensus wide receiver one in terms of draft capital. Um, and then even with the injury, you're still seeing that teams are still valuing him really heavily. And, and we're, we're hearing, uh, I, I, shit i i never remember i'm the worst on shows i never remember who tweets whatever but i i did see that someone was putting their name on a report that jameson williams might be the number one wide receiver anyways that 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 acl no acl you know whatever just that teams are are super in to what jameson williams offers because i i do think teams have really learned that even if average depth of target across the league is going down just having that guy who can make plays 30 yards down the field and beat the safeties and the safeties have to come out of the box for, I mean, all the fucking too high safety shit we saw last year, like having, having a guy who can break that look is super important right now. Yeah. I mean, you look at him last year, he led all of college football in, in yardage on targets, you know, 30 yards or further downfield. Uh, it's like his yards per outrun and the greatest, like his teammate adjusted stuff, is still even really good. Like his yards for team pass attempt are phenomenal, uh, even much higher than both like Wilson and Alave who played together. Um, you know, obviously Mechie's not as good as either of those two players, but I mean, those are things that stand out. 
Um, you know, the thing with him, with Williams is, you know, he is like kind of that archetype, like he's a little bit smaller, like 180 pounds, like, you know, that Deshaun Jackson kind of mold is a little bit taller than him. Um, but I do think that he does offer a lot more of that, like nuance. And we're seeing like that. That's, I did a show with Kevin Cole and he kind of highlighted that how much the NFL is starting to value, like that archetype wide receiver. And then the guys like Trill and Burks are sliding down, but, yep. but the thing is like, you're, you're finding a lot more hits in those guys that the NFL is letting slide down than they are in those first round wide receivers that are more of like those fringe archetype guys that have kind of been really kind of pushed up into the forefront of the NFL, the, the you know, the 5'10 to 190, 95, 195 pound guys. Yeah, 5'10, five, five, 195 is what the ideal NFL wide receiver looks like now, which is an insane yeah. sentence I never thought I'd say. Well, yeah, you, you know, they want, it's a speed and space game now and they want versatility. You need to play multiple positions, which I think what really helps the two big wide receivers in this class out really well is that they're not like the throwback Rotoviz big wide receivers, like push this dude as a boundary X, uh, let him make 50 50 balls. I mean, you look at Traylon Burks and Drake London's like production profiles, like, well, Burks was a guy that was like used near the line of scrimmage a ton, used in the slot a ton. Arkansas was just trash. They had to get him the football as, as much as possible, especially this year after losing uh, a dynamic quarterback such as Felipe Franks. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then London was a guy to say in the same boat, like where with that offense, like they, they used him just near, they used him a ton of near the line of scrimmage targets, relied on his ability after the catch. He can play some big slot. And I think that really helps both of these guys in terms of what the NFL has kind of moved away from, just because from an archetype stance, like those guys are doing those things on the football field. Whereas in the past, like that wasn't always the case. Like when DK was coming out and was the NFL punished him for only doing a couple of things. Well, uh, you know, it wasn't so much what they were looking for, even what he did well, the NFL used a lot, like hitches, slants, like go routes, uh, things like that. But uh, yeah, AJ Brown's the one I always circle back to is like, I don't understand how the league, let him fall so far because he was a guy at Ole Miss that played a lot of like big slot and was used that way in terms of versatility and that he still fell. So I don't really even know like what, what the story was there, but I do think it helps London and Burks a lot that they were used in a fashion. Like you would see not guys that are built like they are used at the college. Like an NFL wide receiver, like yeah. a, like a Cooper cup, like a uh, Michael Thomas, because like Michael Thomas is not uh, like a, a small guy you know, but he's used in that role. I, I came into the process extremely excited about Burks, but I do get the vibe that oh, nerd, sure. nerds are higher on Burks than the NFL is on Burks for, you know, it seems like the NFL likes the Ohio state guys more. And I, I am getting uh, like the Drake London stuff is just kind of hard for me to process because he is, you know, he would have been my number one wide receiver in the class by a country mile. Um, five years ago, you know, like I would have been, I would have have been all in on that guy. And and it's nothing to do with him, but you know, the last time I went all in on a massive boundary PAC 12 wide receiver, it was Arthega Whiteside. And so I just am getting some of those like, and they don't play anything alike. And the offenses were so different. You know, Stanford is that pro style run 60% of the time that the USC offense, the Drake London played in was spread offense, you know, with, uh, you, you know, they, they would play four wide receivers a lot of the time and stuff. So it's totally different. I just, I, the London is the one I'm having the hardest time with of these five guys. Yeah. London, I think is a little more interesting. I'm a little bit more one foot in, in, on both buckets with people like the objective stuff's amazing. He's the second youngest wide receiver in this class. He has the size profile. Uh, he has that usage, like I said, you know, near the line of scrimmage, he's just got boatloads of production. I mean, you look at him, 
last year. I mean, he was targeted on 41.6% of his routes. Like that's insane. Like just one of every two plays he was out running around, he was getting a target basically, uh, which is absolutely just bonkers. Uh, so we always love those guys that command targets. And like, when you look at it from a fantasy stance, like when you're talking, when you're going down this class and you're asking yourself like, well, who are the guys in this class that could have like those 15 touchdown seasons? Like his name is immediately like one of the top guys on the list, if not the top guy. And from a fantasy stance, like I'm always going to edge those guys out. So even though like you, we've acquiesced along the way with the NFL and have found out, uh, you know, to add more nuance and versatility. And we want a lot of targets first. Um, but yeah, if you look at some of his projection, though, there is a lot more work. I'm not so much locked in on like the contested catch stuff as a negative, because even if you remove his contested catch stuff, his production is really high. I'm more worried about that. Like he doesn't have any signature stuff that like translates to the NFL uh, and I always bring up when talking about London, you know, Dwayne McFarland did an article early this offseason on Pro Football Focus where he looked at the most targeted routes in the NFL and how each collegiate wide receiver in this class performed on those routes. And Drake London wasn't even in the top 10 in this draft class on any of the most peripheral uh, primary routes in the NFL in terms of yards per route run. And to me, that's kind of like one of those things, like it just adds to the projection, right? Right. Burks has a couple of those, like when you look at like, you know, slants and in-breaking routes, like he's excellent on those types of things because that's what he's going to be asked to do in the NFL. And then he has this like sidecar of the production stuff that London has as well. So although there is projection also with Burks like playing outside, there are things that like he clearly already demonstrated that he excelled at on a collegiate level that he can take to the NFL that they use at the NFL level where London is a lot more projection. He's got all this size. He's got the targets, got the production profile, but he doesn't, he hasn't, he didn't really win a lot on the routes that were extremely used heavily in the NFL. And that's where I think the projection comes from him. So who are the guys coming in that you're hoping to leave with the most, right? Cause you know, like you, you're going to have a smattering of, of draft picks, you know, from between one to 12 in the rookie drafts mm-hmm. and stuff. I, I think, um, seven is like the nut spot because you are, you're just going to be getting one of the guys you really like, right. Could be Jamison Williams, could be Alave, could be, I mean, seven would be early-ish for Pickens, kind of depending on, on what the quarterbacks like quarterback landing spot is going to be a big part of this. Like mm-hmm. we just did a rookie draft where all the, the non Malik Willis quarterbacks went in the second round. So pick it, which Powell, won't happen after the draft. No, no, it will. It will not. Um, and it'll, it'll depend on who goes in the first round, right? Ritter could go to the Steelers or whatever and go way up. You know, just, they're like, we're talking about multiverse possibilities here. Like it could just go uh, anyway, but who are you, who are you hoping to grab? Yeah. Of the most? top two guys of the top tier, like the group we talked about, I mean, obviously I'm not going to get Brees Hall in my league because I don't have the first pick in any leagues, but uh, do you, Bert- do you think you, you think Brees over Willis? Unless Willis gets top 10 capital, I think so. Uh, Or if like Hall has like something detrimental happen. So, I mean, like, but if like Willis goes two or six, then I think it's hard to not value him that highly, just objectively, especially with the running ability, because it means that he would start way sooner than anyone is expecting by by almost necessity, right? Like those teams won't be good enough for him not to start. But if he goes to like the Steelers at pick 20, uh, you know, they could be potentially like roadblock him just in terms of like hanging around. Cause it's all about dictate when these guys play, it's going to be all dictated by record this class, especially uh, when they, they get pressure from the organization to have to play. Right. Like 
you know, if you're on the Steelers and they're five and five, he might not be playing still. Right. But if he's on the Panthers and they're two and eight, like he's sure, sure it's all going to be in, like, there's no way he won't be. Uh, so it's kind of one of those things I kind of wanted to see what the draft capital is. And you hinted on the draft we did, and I'm in another one too. And the same thing, everyone's just a little gun shy on the quarterbacks because of the, the, the chasm of where these guys could go. Right. As high as pick two, the end of round one, some guys projected in the first round, some might fall like into the top of the second round. It's just kind of scattershot. And in these early pre-draft rookie drafts, which I still believe is the best way to do this because of stuff like this, uh, forces people to kind of make a decision. Um, yeah, you see people being a little more gun shy on the quarterbacks, but the, if we get a couple of these guys, two or three guys at first round draft capital, those guys will climb, uh, with Willis because Willis is still up there anyways, but Burks and, and, uh, Jameson Williams, the two guys I'm trying to get the most, I'm really hoping that the, the situation that the, the events that have played out for Burks have helped him in the actual NFL draft, uh, because chances, chances of getting to the Cowboys, Packers or chiefs. Yeah, you got the Cardinals down there. You got the Bills down there. All these teams that have good quarterbacks, uh, good offenses that can insulate uh, production for a player right away. Whereas one of these guys that we talked about is going to go to the Jets at 10. One of these guys is going to go to the Eagles with one of their first two picks. And then we'll see where the other guys go. But like to me, the Jets and Eagles are like horrific landing spots. And, you know, I'm pretty more, I'm open and have uh, some fluidity and not penalize guys too heavily for where they go. But, like, we know, like, what kind of offense the Eagles are going to run. Like, we absolutely 100% know. Now, they might be able to move on for Jalen Hurts in a year. That's fine. And then, you know, with the Jets, you know, you have a guy who I believe is a supreme talent already in Elijah Moore. And we have a quarterback that was had one of the most worst objective, you know, quarterback seasons we've ever seen from a rookie quarterback. Even in a year where there was a bunch of bad quarterback play from rookies, uh, Zach Wilson it is, really takes a lot of squint to see it, like, hope and pray now at this point to just hope he could be a baseline quarterback. Uh, so two of those guys are going to go to those two spots. And when we're talking about breaking tiebreakers and tiers, like that's where landing spot might impact some rookie drafts. But on the flip side of that, we might see all five of those guys we talked about as the top five receivers in the class all be selected before even that pick 22 spot that we kind of talked about like that, where it starts to be like Packers twice, Chiefs twice, uh, Bills, Cardinals, Cowboys. And then do one of those teams elevate another receiver that maybe hundred percent? That's that's <laughs> what I think is the is the most interesting thing about yeah. the the rookie draft that we just did, which is that one of these picks that went in the second round, Christian Watson, Sky Moore, Dotson, et cetera, et cetera. Pickens, yeah, all those guys. One of those guys is going to get the. I I always think of it as the McCall Hardman bump, where he I I, if I remember right in our rookie draft, I think he went in the late third round of this league. And then, you know, obviously when draft time came around, he was like, I think he was like the 107, 108 on average. And one of these guys is going to get that. And it could be, I mean, it could be a left field guy, right? If could be John Mechie, right? Uh, You know, I mean, there are, there are lots of guys because it just, at that point, it comes down to team, team archetype and what the team wants out of that pick. It could, it could just be so many guys. Um, I could see Sky Morks like he's gotten so much steam and like he sneaks into the back end of the first just based on default of like all the wide receivers going and then in your rookie drafts he's probably going to climb to like be like you know especially in your non-superflex leagues he he might even jump one of those receivers we talked about you know I I think that's I think that's accurate and um, so my question is this is like a, this is again, a total like metaverse wrinkle, but like, let's say the Packers or the chiefs 
or the Bills, probably not the Bills. They probably don't have the ammo, but the Packers or the Chiefs have the ammo to do it. And they trade up and they get inside the top 10 for a wide receiver. I mean, can that guy go over Brees Hall, assuming that Brees Hall is a second round pick? Yeah, potentially. I mean, Brees Hall is another one of those guys that uh, we love the three down running backs, especially before they represent for fantasy. Um, so, I mean, but if he goes like somehow falls to like the fifties or something and like, we have to wait and, you know, you got all these guys with just Supreme capital. I mean, that's going to like weigh into people's decisions. I've always been like a uh, wide receivers in startups, running backs and rookie drafts because of the, you know, the, the hit the ground running kind of development. Yeah. And, you know, we'll see that the impact that Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson have had on rookies too, the past couple of years, right? Like that's going to be a thing people are going to be aggressive on, especially when we get to August and, the actual rookie drafts come around like I bet we see some of these rookies even be aggressively taken in redraft leagues because of the, the performances that those two players have had on the last two seasons uh so that's gonna be something to watch too. I mean I we totally we saw see. that last year with rookie wide receivers you know got mm-hmm. second second round picks were second round NFL draft picks were ninth round you know Jalen Waddle Elijah Moore Waddle ended up being a really good pick. Elijah Moore, yes. not so much. I mean, I, I believe Waddle finished as the wide receiver 12 in PPR last year, which is pretty insane. Uh, but, but I mean, depth, like the old, just the old thinking that rookie wide receivers are not going to start from week one is, is gone. I mean, if wide receivers yeah. drafted in the first round, they're starting for their team like 100%. Yeah, especially in this class of where these guys are going to go. So I'm excited to see. Like, I kind of just, like, want to just know, right? Like, I just want to know, like, where what's the shakeup? What's the landscape look like? I really want to know for, like, the tier we said. Because we know that those five players are probably going to get drafted highly regardless. Like, the floor for, like, say even Burks, if he's the fifth guy, is probably, like, 24 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to see the rest. Like, does, does, does that impact all these other guys getting elevated, especially paired with, what the NFL has done this offseason with wide receivers and generally the wide receiver landscape uh, in terms yeah, of a, a wide receiver contracts. on a rookie, a wide receiver on a rookie contract is a huge bargain right now because of these guys are demanding so much money. And it's only going to get, it's only going to get more expensive because when Jamar chase and Justin Jefferson, when they're, when their rookie yep. contracts are up, <laughs> I mean, is Jamar, is Jamar chase going to be the highest paid non quarterback of all time up in, when he signs his contract? I think so. Yeah, I mean, well, Justin Jefferson might when he's up after this year because they can re- renegotiate with him after this year, even though they have two more rights or two more years of rights with him because the, the fifth-year option and then they got some franchise tag on. But you can bet your damn fucking bottom dollar that Jamar Chase's or Justin Jefferson's camp is going to be pushing for that contract extension immediately after year three, like 100%. Like, that's absolutely going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, and the fifth-year option actually matters a lot more now for wide receivers than it does for quarterbacks now that it's fully guaranteed. Yeah, I've been talking about this on some shows too. Uh, because you look at like how the landscape has played out, uh, you know, Daniel Jones is fifth year option. We're going to see the Giants probably not pick that up because now that it's fully guaranteed, it's $22.4 million. Uh, like you're not going to be able to, it's, it's, it's not a leverage spot anymore where you can, you can freeze a guy, see how he does. Uh, it's not like that. Kyler right now, who's made a pro bowl, his fifth year option, which the Cardinals are going to have to pick up just based on default. Cause they can't let him try to walk if, with these negotiations kind of hitting like kind of a stone wall it's 29.7 million dollars which is the exact same as the franchise tag so there's no more the fifth year option does not carry as much leverage that it once did for the quarterbacks um you know so it's gonna be interesting to see how teams impact that especially paired with this quarterback class because this would be like a uh, 
uh, a quarterback class where you look at like the way the landscape was a couple years ago and you'd say, yeah, trade up to 32 Ritter at pick 30 or whatever. Cause we have a fifth year option and we can play with that. But now it's not a luxury. It's, there's, it's not a luxury item anymore. Yeah. Which is, 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 uh, that will be interesting with the teams that are picking at the back end of the first round to see if anyone does want to try and trade up. But like it would have the the thing when it before it was fully guaranteed was you trade I mean, do what the Ravens did with Lamar, right? You trade right. up, you trade up to 32 to get that fifth year option. And um, he was the same way. Yeah. But, but I, I mean, you know, you're probably not wanting to do that for Sam Howell or, or Desmond Ritter <laughs> yeah, or Matt whoever. Like it's tough, yeah. man. It's tough. It's tough to say that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those teams that might have those picks that we talked about, they might have really wanted a wide receiver. Now, a lot of those teams that we talked about too also need help elsewhere. Uh, and then, you know, if the wide receivers end up being elevated, it's going to push some of these, like it's a pretty good defensive back class by all accounts out in the public out there. I don't really have a lot of defensive back takes in terms of grinding the film and doing research on these guys, but you know, you look at teams like the bills, the Chiefs, like all those teams need like defensive back help too. And so it could push good players down to them as well. So who getting a little bit later into the draft, you know, third round, fourth round, who are, who are some of the guys that are drawing, drawing the eye of Reeves? Who are you trying to come away with? Yeah. So it's interesting. I was on, uh, you know, a podcast we were, you know, talking about like how rookie drafts, like it's just optimal to take running backs with your third and fourth round rookie picks, like over wide receivers, uh, because those guys can run into more pockets of production that impact fantasy than the wide receivers. Like yep. for you to, you, you can hit some home runs. We've particularly had some great wide receiver hits in this draft that we do. I think Gabriel Davis was the final pick of one draft year. Uh, Deontay Johnson, Deontay Johnson. Was the final draft pick another year. But for the most part, when you look at your typical rookie drafts, they're going to play out in the general public, like asking your third and fourth round receivers to like make an impact is a really long road. And it's really a long road for immediate production because those guys, even with injuries, don't tend to get elevated. But your Khalil Herberts and guys like that can run into two or three or four week stretches in a given season, even as rookies uh, and produce and help you be in your starting lineup and help you win kind of weeks. Whereas like, you know, a guy like you want to take your flyer on your, your, your day three wide receiver, like, like Seth Williams or some goon, like that dude probably is not going to make it. Like he's probably not going to make it. And not these running backs might not make it either, but they have a lot more. And you'll know though, you, yeah. that's that, that's the hidden value of the running back is like Benny Snell, right? You you can just cut that guy, right? You can just move yeah. on from Benny Snell, <laughs> right? Or, uh, the, the Chargers guy, Larry Roundtree, right? Done, yep. out of here, gone. Like you can just send him back to the waivers, no problem. But if you're holding on to uh, Amari Rogers, right? Packers guy, like you might not be able to cut Amari Rogers right now, who is like right, very like, he's very likely to be dead weight, but you can't, you can't cut him. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think when you look at these like running backs, like Obviously, these guys have to get kind of the capital we're hoping for. But I mean, that's what I'm looking for is these running backs that are going to slide just because the receivers are going to carry the draft capital and rookie drafts. So, I mean, I don't think I mean, we're doing early drafts now. Zamir White's been a third round pick in every draft I've done so far. Uh, that's pre-draft. Uh, so, I mean, looking to grab him. I don't think Rashad White's going to get the draft capital we all kind of want. But, you know, if he gets a, you know, favorable aiming spot like that will help. But like any of these guys, Damian Pierce. James Cook, uh, you want to go down the the row. I mean, I really like kind of Keontae Ingram, Pierre Strong, uh, you know, just all these yeah. types of guys. Like this is you want to draft those guys though over the uh, you know whether you're coming in draft and you like like uh, 
say even like a Calvin Austin or a Justin Ross or a Taekwon Thornton or Bo Melton, Danny Gray, Velas Jones, like those are the guys like if they're probably going to get taken on day three, not really have like a lot of, you know, path to be fantasy relevant players, the roads to be working against them, but these running backs, even if it's for a two week stretch in a season could be elevated and help you win a fantasy game. And they just, I, I just want to use my picks on running backs at that, at that point. Yeah. And like tight ends are not doing that. They're, no. they're, they're not like, you got to hold, you got to hold those guys. Like has Cole Komet helped you win a fantasy game yet? Probably, probably not. And you, you granted you do run into some guys, but it's a, like, you know, Hunter Renfro has been like one of those examples. Like you do, but like who in the draft is like banging on their door to like, Oh yeah, I'm going to smash Hunter Renfro in the third round every draft. Like it, it, that didn't happen. Wandale, Wandale is the guy to me who could do it if the right team takes him and uses him in a similar role, but he's really small and it's much more likely that he ends up going the way of Andy Isabella or what, or, um, you know, the fancy Dexter McCluster or whatever, like that's a far more, or, or even Isaiah McKenzie, right? Like where those, they're, they're useful NFL players, but they're the, the coaches never treat them in such a way that they get enough touches to be valuable for fantasy. Even last year, if you brick, like Chuba Hubbard is objectively a bad football player, but yeah. if you took him in the second round or third round of your rookie draft, like he helped you at least he yeah. helped you. He did. Even if you traded him, if you did anything, like he just provided different kind of flexibility. Elijah Mitchell obviously is like the, the ceiling, the pantheon of that. But like dudes were taking like Anthony Schwartz and like Tutu Atwell and Hunter Long and Tylen Wallace. Like these guys aren't going to help you, man. They're just not rep- like the odds of them helping you just are so small. It's actually much more likely that you run into even a quarterback in these super flex leagues getting spot starts than oh, yeah. the wide receivers helping you. Like, I don't know, even if Sam Howell is a third round pick, he still probably starts a couple games this year just for whatever team takes him to see, like, you know, the Saints take him in the third round or whatever. Like, he still probably gets a couple games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Jalen Darden was one of those guys too. Like, yep. you, know, you hold a candle for these wide receivers that you kind of like throughout the process, but. Like the path that they have is so small. Whereas a running back, like sometimes you just have to give the football to guys, right? In a given week. And we saw it like Khalil Herbert, right? It was like that. And it's just the, the situation plays out for these guys a lot more than these wide receivers because they have to leapfrog so many guys on a depth chart. And an injury doesn't even necessarily equate the value for those guys. Yeah. Um, Brian Robinson is the name I keep coming back to for these running backs. Not that oh, he yeah. is, not that he's anything special. Not that I think he's very talented. Not that I think he's this great pass catcher. It's just like, I've seen this movie play out with SEC running backs before where <laughs> some coach gets a hard on for him. He goes in the second round. He's on a depth chart where he's at least allowed to be competitive. And he ends up starting four games and holding on for the entirety of his rookie contract. Like, I just, I just have, I, I know this movie can play out for him, even despite the fact that he's really nothing special. Yeah, I mean, he's got the size, too. I mean, he's the second largest running back in his draft class. So I think if people are looking for that type of player, like the, like I fully believe the Chargers are looking for that type of player, right? Like that compliment to Austin Eckler, like Josh Kelly hasn't been good two years in the NFL. You already brought up Larry Roundtree not hitting. Justin Jackson is, still remains a free agent. I think they're looking for that guy, that like that guy, that like 220-plus pound running back to alleviate Austin Eckler like banger, banger touches. Uh, so like Brian Robinson is a guy they could be looking at, you know, like Jerome Ford, uh, maybe even if they wait till later, like Hassan Haskins, like those big guys. But yeah, Brian Robinson is totally one of those guys that an NFL roster already knows they can give him a bunch of touches 
and that and like he's not gonna like just kill them right like he's to be serviceable with those touches as a baseline right but he, he, right. he can force missed tackles he can catch the football uh so i definitely believe he'll be drafted higher than maybe like a lot of objective models suggest he should be i could and this after the top two running backs in the class Brees Hall and kenneth walker the rb3 could be anybody we've talked about the qb3 being anybody the rb3 could be anybody too in this class yeah, no, it, it uh, that's that's actually a great point. Is it could literally be anyone. Could be Spiller, could be Pierce, could be, I mean, probably not Rashad White, probably not going to get the draft yeah. capital. But if any of these guys ends James up as Cook. a second, James Cook, if any of them ends up as a second round pick, you can pretty much write them in as the third running back of the class. Like, I mean, I mean, it could be Tyler Algier, it could be Keontae Ingram. It just totally depends on what the NFL decision makers decide to do. Right. Wonder if the Chiefs are a sneaky team to take a running back, by the way, because McKinnon and Darrell Williams have not re-signed their contracts, and it's just Rojo and CEH. And uh, you know, Rojo is like the worst pass blocking running back in the league. And, and Tyler is also bad at it. Yeah, and well, he's just not good in general. So I do wonder if he <laughs> uh, I just I just wonder, I do just wonder if the Chiefs are a sneaky the, the Bills too. The Bills are are yeah. I, I would, I would we make them, the, I, yeah. we, we write up all the teams going into the draft. Me and Dan Pizzuta, I write up offense. He writes defense. I just submitted the chiefs today. The only running back they have under contract beyond the season is CEH right now, but I kind of penciled them in like with the way their roster is like, they probably would benefit more from another veteran signing after the draft than the, you know, probably another rookie, but there are a team I could see them use a day three pick on though at, at the position to add to the depth because uh, like you mentioned the depth chart, it's just CH and Ronald Jones and Ronald Jones only got a one year, 1.5 million. He's the only guy, uh, CH is the only under contract beyond the season. So that's a spot too. And they have a bunch of draft picks too. Yeah. They have like four round seven picks there. I mean, Hey, that's, uh, it's going to, it's, it's going to make someone interesting for us. Right. Like, like probably there, there's just one of those guys that's going to end up on one of these. What do you think the Cowboys I will not do? be talked into Clyde Edwards-Hilaire this offseason, by the way. I will. I already, what, what's he going? He's going in like the eighth round yeah, in these early is, drafts. It's like, what, what am I, what am I going to do with that? Like, what, what am I, am I just not, am I like, uh, you, you can't, you can't get even on the Martingale if you, if you stop at the cheapest price. It's like, it's <laughs> that's like, true, true. I cannot, I cannot not take. Darius Tony though over like I'm not gonna take Pirates Alaire over Darius Tony. I I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna be the market. The market is forcing me now. If he was going, if if he was going in the sixth round, I could pass. I could pass at that. But I'm not gonna be able to. Pa- I'm not gonna be able to not build a portfolio full of CH and Ronald Jones teams. It 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 is it is not it is not it is not sensical for the Chiefs to have for for whoever. Whoever the Chiefs running back is, is valuable for fantasy when they're getting the touches. Like Daryl Will- Williams All is the, the touches, most- though. Well, in best ball, you don't have to decide, though. Like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different thing. It's a different thing. But it thing. still has only mattered when, like, the guy is getting all the touches. So, so far, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, through two NFL seasons, has run 55 total pass routes on third down. That's I mean, so by bad. default right it's now, so though, bad. like, does it, doesn't he have to be that back for the roster right now? Because it's given, like... I, I just, they, 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 there, there's a 0% chance they get to the season without adding a veteran. Right. It, and, and they might just decide to bring McKinnon back. He's not on the team right now, but they might just decide to yeah. bring him back. Daryl hasn't I mean, signed with anyone either yet. Uh, and Daryl and Giovanni Bernard is a free agent, by the way. They, they love to bring in these guys for the last season of their career. They brought in, they brought in LaShawn McCoy. They brought in Le'Veon Bell. That's why um, I wrote it up as like, it, I thought they would go the veteran route because 
of the pass protection angle. When you look at how they've used Clyde Zolaire, the biggest thing, the biggest thing that's thwarted him is that he doesn't play in passing situations when the, even when they're in a timeshare. And uh, they're not going to ask a rookie to do that, right? And they're not going to ask Ron John to do it. No, they'll probably just ask. If if, if it, it seems impossible that they don't add a veteran, um, it, it like, and I th- kind of thought it was going to be Fournette for a little bit there. Like it, it kind of sounded like I'm glad I'm glad that it ended up being Rojo. I mean, Rojo right now, uh, assuming he's like a 13th, 14th round pick, if like I don't care how bad you think Ronald Jones is, like. That is just that's picking up nickels on the street at, at that at that cost. Like it just is. Yeah, I'm curious to see how it, uh, how this, like I said, plays out for Ceh because Ronald Jones is a direct like threat to goal line work and early down work, and Ceh is already when you look at his rushing yards below expectation, has really struggled the, his first two years in the NFL. Uh, and then we kind of like walk through the scenario that like they're probably going to add a guy to to fill the pass to play on passing downs it so like what what do we what do, where do we fall here like what what happened so well i mean uh, i think rojo this. and ch will probably be in a legitimate competition and whichever one of them plays better is going to get more time that's what i would think that's crazy it's and they bring crazy. in <laughs> and they're and, and they're going to bring in a giovanni bernard Lashawn mccoy like who are who are the remaining free agents right now running back nfl free agents um <laughs> melvin gordon Melvin, Go- <laughs> Melvin Gordon is um, a free agent. Um, kind of, kind of surprised that they didn't that they didn't reach out to Damian. Uh, David Johnson is available. Oh, there's a Chiefs guy. Yeah, uh, Jalen. <laughs> He's Jaylen, just cooked though. Jalen Richard is available. Oh, um, there you go. Yep, same, same. Car- Carlos, Carlos Hyde, who they've already done once, is available. They they literally have already done that. They already brought. Carlos Hyde in once Malcolm. I it's Malcolm Brown. I already solved it. It's Malcolm Brown. That's who, that's who they're signing. Yeah. Uh, so just be, just be ready. I mean, the, the point is looking through the running back free agents, there are plenty of dusty pass blockers for them. And those guys will all sign after the draft with teams. Yeah. I mean, it could be, it could be any of these guys could be Justin Jackson could be, could be Jarek McKinnon. They could just bring Jarek or Daryl Williams back. So there, there are plenty of ways for that to go. Because um, that's where we are in free agency right now is that we're at teams that are basically at like the, the post-draft standstill. Well, you know, we've seen it with like Jarvis Landry. Uh, you know, everyone just kind of waiting to see where the roster looks like coming out of the draft. What do you what that. do you think happens with with Julio, Landry, and Fuller? Those are those are like the three names that are still really interesting out there for fantasy. Yeah, I'm not really sure like how healthy Fuller is because remember in like February he tweeted a picture of like his finger. Yeah, Crane Crane was telling me that that he he had to have another surgery on his finger. Yeah, so I don't know like how teams in last year even coming off of the best year of his career he only got the one year kind of one year deal, so he's probably going to do that again. Um, you know, Landry's one of those guys like fully like a team just really is waiting to see what their roster looks like, right? Like no one's rushing out to he's like a reliable player that they can plug in, but like. He's been like pretty subpar the last like four seasons. It's pretty average player. So you know what you're getting. Um, so not, not too much excitement. Julio is just there, man. It, it sucks we're here with Julio, but everyone dies, man. Everyone dies. Uh, it's a bummer. I want, I want Julio to sign with the Buccaneers. Cause I, I think, think it's probably going to happen. That makes the most sense. And it, they could reset. It could like, I think that could resuscitate him a little bit. Uh, you know, just because yeah, Godwin's not going to, pro- Godwin's probably going to be on the PUP. 
he and he's going to start the year. And he's going to be able to play with other guys who are better than him, which I think is important. Like, yes. yeah, like playing with playing with Mike Evans. And, well, and then you just want him to, at this point, if you're going to resuscitate anything, he needs to go the A.J. Green route where he's on a team that also is just going to throw. Like, they're yeah. going to throw the football. Like, Julio, what sucked about him is he got double whammy because he did this typical Julio season where he missed a bunch of times, had a hamstring injury that yep. lingered throughout the course of the season, but then also was in the Tennessee Titans offense. The construct that of just that never offense. threw. Yeah. So there was never, so he had no way to like just like breathe any type of life into like his game. Whereas here, you know, if it's say here is the Buccaneers are going, like he could be a part time player, but he's on a team that's going to throw out and like AJ Green, right? Like AJ Green wasn't necessarily incredible last year. But like he contributed and was a really good like football player because he was on the right he went to the right situation. Yeah. And and I mean the AJ Green stuff does give you a little bit of hope for Julio too, because AJ Green, his last season in Cincinnati looked beyond cooked and oh, and, yeah. and did resuscitate himself a little bit in, in Arizona. So you know, I was surprised whatever. they signed him before the draft, but I think that they just had so many holes that they just had to had to bring it back. Yeah, I mean, there were I, Antoine Wesley was looking like he was starting week one for for them. Which, what you got? You got any hope for Rondale? You got any hopium to sell me for for Rondale Moore? Uh, I mean, he's just never not like the, that type of player is just not my kind of player. So like, I'm not not that excited. Uh, there's always gonna be someone in my leagues that is gonna believe a lot more than me, just like they did in rookie drafts. It's the same thing with Wandell, right? It's like, probably probably me. I'm probably I'm probably yeah. the guy. I mean, I just that type of player is just never gonna be maybe it's a blind spot and I'm not, you know, adjusting quickly enough to where the NFL's headed, but uh I just that type of player just does nothing for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that I mean I think that's fair. Uh you got any tight end takes? Any of these guys interesting to you? At, and any Jelani Woods? You big, you big Jelani Woods guy? I love Dolchich, man. Dolchich is my dude, dude. Yeah, I yeah. You, I, I, I did see in your rankings you have Dolchich uh, over uh, Trey McBride. I do. I think he provides a lot more uh, verticality to an offense. Uh, so if he ends in the right spot, I think that he's a guy that could be. Uh, you know, if he ends up with any anywhere with like similar targets, like it's he he, he could be better. So I do. I'm big on Dolchich, man, a lot. I mean, think about this. So uh, all of all players in this draft class, all players, not just tight ends, uh, he's fourth in rate of throws uh, on targets twenty or more down yards downfield. And you know, it's, it's just cra- crazy, man. Like he's he's just he's he's a guy that provides a lot of like upside in terms of upside targets. And if he would have played with like a good quarterback. Uh, his numbers would be awesome. And if he would have played anywhere in like an offense that he had to get thrown to, like Trey McBride did at Colorado state, like his numbers would have been insane too. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to believe McBride is one of those guys, like he's not going to go in the first round of the real NFL draft. So like, I think it's kind of egregious to use a first round rookie pick on him. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he's going to go to the jets at 38. Is the, is is the a very common mock draft spot I see? Um, oh, the other thing you mentioned earlier about having to just like hope and pray that Zach Wilson can become a league average quarterback. Don't we feel that way about every quarterback from last year's class that none of them yeah, displayed absolutely. league average play? Well, it, Mac, Mac is like a functional real life quarterback. Yes. Like, so like he's the, he's the guy and we don't know what Lance is. But, but he's a functional real life quarterback the way Baker Mayfield is a functional real life quarterback. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, he can actually throw at least. So I mean, we're at least so, hey, don't, uh, I am so sick of this. Like we have all, the hate has gone way too far on Baker. 
Like Baker, oh, when yeah, for sure. If Baker, when he's healthy, is fine. It's it, but it has nothing to do with like. So we're we're way beyond the point of like Baker's play impacting anything. Like people have like a people are tired of the progressive commercials, right? Like it, yeah, it, it, people don't like the way he plays because he plays like one of those guys. He's a little bit cocky. Like so, the court of public opinion like has always been kind of anti Baker, anyways. Um, I feel like that's just way more. Into, I mean, to me. An NFL team is more willing to start Drew Locke than Baker. Like, how do the Seahawks not want Baker Mayfield, especially where they are in the stage of like, like, do that? Are they in a full rebuild? Do they know yet? Like, yeah. why not take Baker Mayfield on? Like, why would he he get to play with functional wide receivers? Because they like because they like Drew Locke, bro. Have you been the listening? Hell, man. They like Drew Locke. I mean, yeah. I mean, he could be fine in Carolina too, but like, Carolina has just bungled this thing so bad that I don't want to give them any more outs. They all deserve to just die a fiery, a fiery death. Like Matt Roll doesn't deserve any outs. Yeah, no, they he he really doesn't. Um, are you are you worried that the Bears are just giving up on Fields? That they're just that they're they're just like yeah, we we tried it, it didn't work. Let's get him no, out of I here. No, I think that this regime just got boned, man. I think that the Bears stuck with their previous regime one year too long, and with Nagy and Ryan Pace forced into like a desperation mode it made this a year zero for this regime. They don't even get a year one. Like this is a year zero. This is a year where they need to recoup assets. They, they enter the draft. They take over a team. that doesn't have a first round draft pick. One of the worst offensive lines in the league, one of the worst wide receiver situations in the league. It, it, it's, it just kind of, they got boned, man. It's, it's literally a year zero for this regime. Uh, and it sucks because it's for fields because it's going to put him a little bit more behind the eight ball. And then now, cause when you, cause when you have one bad year, we say, all right, well, we're willing to give you another look, right? But two, now when you when you start to have two, we start to be like, oh shit, not everyone's Josh Allen, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and and they just they just haven't done anything for him. I mean, his wide receivers are Byron Pringle and Darnell Mooney and Cole yeah, Komet, and that's they, Saint Brown. Yeah, it's like it's like they they. I, I mean. They don't have a first round pick. They have two twos who they'll probably use one on a wide receiver, but their offensive line is the right side, especially because they lost their best offensive line from a year ago. Uh, their right guard. It's so, so bad. They're, they're, it, it's just tough, man. This, this regime was put in a tough spot. Uh, plus the thing with fields too, is that the offensive insulation from a coach down is not very strong, right? Like they hired a defensive coach. Uh, it, it's, it's, one of these situations that just isn't glowing on the surface, but Fields was in a similarly terrible situation end last year, and he did have four QB one weeks in his final five starts. Well, he finally um, started to scramble a bit. It was all running basically, so I mean, you're just getting him to run around. But he can run like that, okay, like he's like that's legitimately good runner. Like he's just like a really good runner, and and you know, I mean, I saw both sides of this coin. Like you know, the Fields apologists, like you know me and and Gretch, and we're like you know, Nagy's not designing anything for him. And then you have like big NFL who was out on fields to begin with. They were like, actually Nagy is designing all this stuff and fields isn't just making the throws. And it's like, I, I don't really know who to believe. That's but... what makes CJ Stroud so interesting. Cause he's basically regarded as the top quarterback, but this Ohio state system, like does not let these guys develop a quick game because they have so many awesome wide receivers and everyone else in the big 10 is still playing a different brand of football than football. they are. Yep. And they're throwing, I mean, every Ohio state game from the past decade, basically, since this is all shifted since herb took over and they've gone through just like this, 
uh, just awesome run of just recruiting like awesome quarterbacks, wide receivers, but every dude is just pushing the ball 20 yards down the field and they just have no quick game. So I'm curious to see even what happens with Stroud. Uh, Cause that was fields is like big knock. Everyone even knocked it, even the process. They're like, well, he's going to have to develop all these things, uh, you know, in the short game. And that was a big thing that got highlighted in year one in the NFL was that his quick game was trash. And it was, it was a big problem at the NFL level. So, um, I isn't isn't the Alabama quarterback is not the the number one guy for next year. Bryce Young is not is not considered the number one. Over I mean, Stroud. I see Stroud, but th- those are the two guys you see at the top. I would I would smash the Bryce Young button right now. He seems on un- he seems unreal. Like, are we are we already approaching like the the meme like next year's quarterback class is the class <laughs> right? Like that's I don't that's think always so, what I it think is. A lot of people are still kind of down on it after the top, right? Like, I don't know enough. I'm not. I mean, yeah, far. I don't I don't know I don't shit mean. outside of those two guys. Yeah, um, but I think it's like just kind of so it's better than this, but still is more top heavy at the time. But you never know when these guys are gonna pop out because you know you had Zach Wilson raise his stock so heavily his last year uh if Kenny Pickett if there's if COVID doesn't happen is Kenny Pickett even drafted oh that's a good question yeah probably not like probably like I mean or or he's like the you know the Carson Strong memorial like Carson Strong is gonna be like a fifth round pick this year they'll be the same thing for yeah, Carson Strong it. just missed the boat. Like in 1985, Carson Strong would have oh, been like an amazing draft Amazing, pick. yeah. And if he had knees, uh, it would have been, been there. He's actually – he can wing it, though. Like, like Car- as, as far as like throwers go in this class, like Carson Strong probably is the best actual quarterback. Yeah, he can whip it, dude. It's just you just can't have that as your quarterback anymore. Your quarterback's no, got to be able to move. It's too antiquated. The game is – you can't do it anymore. And, yeah. and he's coming with the knee injury, too. It's not even that he can't move. It's, he's also coming with the, the, the significant injury risk. Um, do you, do you think that the saints are going to take a quarterback or do you think they're just rolling? Do you think they're just rolling with the Jameis Simeon group? I, I don't, but if they do, I think it'll be the dumbest thing I've ever seen the team organization handle is getting a quarterback. Cause you try to get Watson, which is fine. We know the level, at least talent Watson is if you're going to sell out, like whatever, and we right. bring the peripheral stuff into it. We get why the team wanted him. Uh, but then you, so then you bring Jameis back after that strikes out, but then you forfeit, you forfeit a compensatory pick to sign Andy Dalton before the draft. Oh, so like, unbelievable. Why, then you make this trade up, which uh, looks like they got dominated by all like accounts on every single trade thing I've ever seen, like every single trade value uh, chart. Uh, and then you're going to do that to still take a mid team quarterback and not even like a top, like it all, it doesn't add up to me, even for Mickey Loomis and he does some wild stuff. And like, it, it just doesn't add to me, but the saints, one thing they've always shown us though, under Mickey Lewis is they're the Kings of trading up for like non quarterbacks. Like they don't care. Uh, so maybe they're trying to get a wide receiver. Maybe they're trying to get a tackle. I don't know. And uh, it's, it's, it's also dip. Like the infrastructure is so different from if they would have done this like three years ago to prepare for breeze leaving. It's like, you know, they have this amazing roster and all these good offensive players. And now like Alvin Kamara might be suspended. Michael Thomas hasn't played in two years. It's a different head coach. The offensive line is still good, right? No, it's been, I mean, they lost, I mean, well, you know, uh, they lost our Armstead. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, what Caesar is in the final year, of his contract, it's, it's getting there and they were crushed. They were the offensive line that was the most injured of all of last year, which played a large role into what happened over the course of their season outside of having to play Taysom Hill. Yeah. So what can we do? I mean, the Taysom Hill thing's amazing. He's already like the 10th highest paid tight end. 
It's it would, and he's not even really a tight. It's not like you can throw him the ball eighty times a year, you know. Like it's it's, it's so like good. the idea of Taysom Hill having to like no like no longer being in the quarterback room for the meetings is like hilarious to me. It's like all right, I'm gonna go hang out with uh, Troutman and Juwan Johnson, and I'm making seventeen million dollars a year. What's up, dudes? But the Saints do things a lot differently. I mean, I will not. Uh... It's true. It's just weird. If they if they did all this to take a quarterback, like when you when you run everything down, every single domino in order, it just looks egregious. If that if that's the come out, but yeah. you know, then the QB thirst is real though, and you, you know teams can't help themselves. You need a quarterback. Yeah, I hope you can't I be hope starting Ian Book again. No, no, you can't. I mean, I just I just hope that this ends up being an absolutely all time insane draft for wide receivers in the first round because that investment in the wide receivers is going to save the rookie drafts. Like, like there could, cause, and I've been saying this on shows, but you know, so many teams need a wide receiver because most teams base personnel is, is 11 now. And what team doesn't need a third wide receiver? Like the Bengals. That's it. They're the only team that doesn't need a third wide receiver or couldn't have a third wide receiver improve their offense. And even they like are probably going to take a day three wide receiver because because they don't have a fourth at, guy because they don't have a fourth guy and they live in eleven personnel because of you know Zach Taylor's lineage like so if Tyler Boyd was to get hurt or T Higgins or Jamar Chase were to get hurt now you're elevating Mike Thomas and like to being relied upon your base offense so I even believe they'll add a day three guy yeah yeah it's <laughs> uh it's amazing what else is anything else really interesting to you right now in these in these streets. Now we're mostly in like kind of like the wait and see mode, like where guys go, kind of capital guys get. Uh, I'm in my third pre-draft NFL draft. And like, I, you know, so it's kind of fun. I still believe if you're playing dynasty, those are the best ways to draft because you get the, not the non-hall pass picks, right? You know? yep. So I love that. When he Butler goes 105 in our draft before the draft, but he Amazing. goes round. Yeah, you're stuck. You're stuck, man. You don't get the free pass. Everyone to rescind their takes. Uh, so I do think it's the best way to play. Plus you end up with the, it makes the end of the draft, I think matter a lot more too, because we don't know the capital on these guys. We had joked about, uh, not joked or just talked about how Deontay Johnson was the last pick of our rookie draft that year, but he goes and gets drafted with Supreme cap, not Supreme capital, but significant third, third round, right? Yeah. yeah. By the Steelers. And he climbs, he's no longer, you're no longer can get him there at that spot. So in these pre-draft drafts, those fourth round picks and those late thirds, like, they've they've become kind of uh you know really good picks too like a lot of guys get elevation out of that area because when we get to the draft and see draft capital those guys don't get the rise you know you you don't get the you get them at, at their lowest point so uh it's still the best the best uh uh way to play and, and do dynasty i, I mean you got play. you got one of the you got one of the best ones you took Clyde Edwards Hilaire at the 110 the the well, we thought the, so we thought so. <laughs> well, I, I, and I probably tried to trade for him for, I probably tried to trade for him back then after you got him. I probably sent you some egregious deal where I was, you know, way overpaying for Clyde at the time. And I, I messaged you the other day about trading for him because I don't have any running backs in this league. I, I have uh, more, I have more wide receivers than I could ever start, but I don't have any running backs. So I, I kind of need someone uh, like Clyde Edwards Hilaire to just, I, to stop the gaps, really. Yeah. And, you know, I still see like, you know, uh, even when we walk through that Kyra Delaire scenario, but I just want to give him away either though. It's one of these things that's always tough, uh, especially running backs in general, you know, just because yeah, well, I, my team's in like a win now team anyways, as in the championship last year. So like I, the giveaway running backs on win now teams is always, always. What did tough. you, what did you think of the one-on-one for AJ Brown in that league? 
Oh yeah, I dig it. Yeah, I mean, I love it. Uh, yeah, I love AJ Brown. Uh, you get Arthur Juan on as many rosters as possible. Don't 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 love that he's already holding out. Uh, but you know, whatever they well, they have no in this choice class because in ours, Brees Hall actually didn't go one. Willis did go one. And yeah. Willis is such a question mark. I mean, this dude could be incredible or like, but he's he's such a, a project. I mean, his. I mean, his accuracy stats are such uh, take such a, a, a projection for him to translate in the NFL, and we don't know what draft capital is going to be. And then his other thing on top of it is like his he's terrible at taking sacks, uh, which we've shown has been detrimental. But he got he got way year. better year over year, right? Yeah. Well, no, last year he took a step back. Like he was okay. everything he was better at was his in 2020. 2021 was just sank. Everything sank. His accuracy. His uh his pocket presence, his inter- his turnovers, everything, everything kind of just really hurt him last year. And the offensive line is trash, but a lot was still on him. Um, yeah, so I mean he's still a dicey like pre-draft 101 rookie pick, though, because now if he ends up going even pick 20, like is he the 101? Probably not, right? Like, and if Brees Hall goes to the Bills or some team where he's got to run away to be dude, a I would runner, I would so take the under on that. There's just too much smoke. And and he is the type of guy that is like worth getting fired for if you're yes, a GM, I, I think. Yeah. Or I mean, like, even when I say that the risk, like he is the one guy when we talk about all these quarterbacks that still can, has that range make of outcomes. Yeah. That he, the, the spades that he has can overcome the poor things he does. Whereas you look at the rest of this class and you're like, well, all right, well, if Kenny Pickett doesn't hit his ceiling, how is he helping you? How is Sam Howe helping you? If he does, if he brings all this, these red flags in, right? Like yeah. Bleak Will still has those spades to say like, Oh, he doesn't have to be a perfect quarterback, right? It, it, to make your offense work. Whereas these other guys still take a lot of projection in that way, in that way. So um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I mean, the rest of these quarterbacks are kind of up. I mean, we took, every, you said Willis is the only guy that went in the first round for ours. I took Kenny Pickett at 203 and I only took him basically just on positional value. Like I don't, I, I don't took, like I him. took, I took Ritter and Hal. Yeah. I just, at that point though, you do it. Um, but even when we get into the actual NFL draft, when one of these guys is being a first rounder, because I believe at least one will and maybe two, then you'll see those guys climb up and kind of go where that wall, that tier cuts off, right? Like the Jahan Dotson area. Yep. Those guys will move right back up to that. Unless, spot. unless Dahan Johnson goes to the chiefs. Yeah. Well, he's like the kind of the firewall, right? Like, yeah. Uh, you know, and then after that, like Pickens is probably going to have to get like a lot more draft capital and he could. Um, but that's kind of where you are. Dude, I love I love George Pickens. I, yeah, I, I mean, George Pickens is like the throwback kind of guy that we talked about, like we would typically fall in love with. So when they're discounted, yeah. we like him. I like George Pickens because I have like a motto in fantasy and dynasty that like anybody that was like a supremely high like Debbie guy and they end up being discounted in the rookie draft, like I just like to get those guys. Like yeah, Jude, Juju, Justin Herbert, like those guys that maybe don't hit the uh, Cortland Sutton was one of those guys that hasn't fully worked out yet. And, and, but like when those guys that were just like Debbie, the like top three, top four Debbie picks. And by the time they come out, like they kind of fall like the end of round one, higher on two. Like I just want to gobble those guys up because I know that the pedigree was there and it was there for pickings. I mean, a phenomenal age eight, 18 season just has been hurt. And even when he got to come back and play last year, I mean, Georgia had no reason to try to throw the football downfield. Like right. they didn't give a shit. Like their 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 defense wasn't giving up any points at all, and their running backs were awesome. So like they were never even trying to really put the ball in the air. So and they had that insane five star tight end. Yeah, so I mean, it's one of those things. Like Pickens just kind of got snake bit by the way things played out. Justin Ross will be the one gray area dude because 
he has like the medicals. He had the early breakout, but like it feels like the league isn't into him. Like just George Pickens consistently still is regarded as like a high two by everything we see by all counts. Yeah. Whereas like Justin Ross, like we don't even know if he's gonna go on day two. Yeah. Yeah. He could be day three, undrafted, probably not an undrafted free agent, but could be. Yeah. The medicals seem really bad. Yeah, so, I mean, he's, like, the one kind of exception to that process. But, like, if a team takes Justin Ross on day two, like, I could see myself getting coaxed back in if he ends up. But it just really feels like he's not going to even go on day two at all. Yeah. All right, man. Let's uh, let's do it. Let's get out of here. What's uh, What can the people look forward to from, uh, from Sharp Football Analysis heading up to the draft? I mean, right now, I've just been doing all Dynasty stuff this offseason. Me and Dan Pazuta right now are doing all of, like, the team rosters, like a top-down look at all the rosters. You can find all those on there. Uh, as I always mentioned, nothing at Sharp Football in the offseason is paywalled at all. That's my stuff, you know, any Dan stuff, Ryan McChrystal. We have the two of the top five most accurate mock drafters of the past five years that do mock drafts for us, and Brandon Donahue and Ryan McChrystal. All that stuff's available just out on the site, all the tools all the st- uh, sharp stats when you used to go to the old sharp stats site, that's all on the new site. You can go mess with all that stuff. It's all out there. There we go. Everyone, Lord Reeves, Sharp Football Analysis, and we'll, uh, we'll be back a little bit later in the week. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.